Hello, and welcome to the R2DP Road to Discovery podcast, ending the stigma of weight loss surgery with Steph, aka Bariatric Warrior, Bex, aka Becoming Bex, Nicole, aka Spooky BSG Barbie, and Cass, aka Queen Sparkle We are here to talk about everything weight loss surgery related, the good, the bad, and the ugly to end the stigma. So come join us on this road to discovery. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, we have Steph, bariatric warrior here. Cass, Queen Sparkle Sleeve, and Bex, Becoming Bex. And pre-recorded, we do have Nicole. She is still having a blast without us in Kentucky. Girl, you. Um, we just wanted to kind of carry on this episode and talk more about those bariatric myths because you know we can ramble on forever for those. <laughs> and apparently people like it when I get angry and, and rant. And, and curse. People like when we curse, too. Yeah, we like the cussing, too. That's good. And don't worry. That's never going away. If it, no. I can't not cuss. This is why I don't, I don't have children. Because I can't, I can't not. I can't turn it off. I'm like, oh, sorry, you have a child? Mm, I don't really fucking care. Because I'm gonna cuss. My husband um, lovingly refers to me as F-bomb mom. Nice. Oh, no. <laughs> Cash just celebrated her one year surge anniversary. And Wonderland. Wonderland. (laughs) (laughs) It's very weird to try and wrap my head around, but I'm working on it. Yeah, mental piece. So we always talk about. uh, It's it's. I mean, it's also like you hit Wonderland, and it's it's kind of like when you hit any major milestone. It's like weirdly underwhelming. Am I the only one that feels like that? Like you hit you hit it, and you're like, cool. Look at that number on a scale, and then you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Why why was that so important? It was so Mm -hmm. important, but it's not. Yeah, I agree. And you know, and then just I had made up. In my stories about like you know wishing that my brother was here to share it with me, like, mm-hmm. it's hard when you like have those those big moments and then like you want to tell somebody that's special to you and then they're not here. It kind of really sucks. But yeah. I'm not dwelling on that. I'm like just trying to. He would want you to celebrate. He yeah, would want you to celebrate would, that. He would be proud of me. And I, yeah, I, honestly, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Exactly. And I feel you because when I was in Ohio, I honored my dad and I spread his ashes in the waterfalls and I knew he was proud of me. Mm -hmm. And uh, something that I haven't shared, which I don't know if I should on this podcast, is my, uh, obviously I got COVID. (laughs) You can, that's not a bariatric myth. You can still get COVID, friends. Um, (laughs) um, I actually lost my great um uncle uh actually on monday also so so it was a very hard day for me because it was eight years losing my dad i lost my great uncle and i got covid so triple whammy it's been a rough week (laughs) but we're here we made it and we're surviving yeah absolutely so myths the myths we want to talk about i think Let's talk about the first one. Let's talk about carbonation. So, yeah, I tried my first carbonation almost nine months post-op sleeve, but two months post-op revision, and it was a no. Of course, it was zero sugar ginger ale because nausea. We always think, hey, maybe ginger will help our stomachs. (laughs) No. (laughs) So carbonation's a no for me. (laughs) Yeah. But, I mean, also, you just had your two months revision. Mm -hmm. So maybe at some point you can. I think the key part about this myth is that like the myth is out there that you can never have carbonation again. Mm -hmm. And that's not, that's just not true. Carbonation is not going to stretch your pouch, (laughs) but it can hurt for some people. It can be uncomfortable and it can hurt. So if, if you're that person that you're just like, Hey, I don't even want to try it. Then that's fine. Like Mm -hmm. don't ever try it. Or, or if it hurts you and you're like, I'm just never going to try that again, that's fucking fine. Mm-hmm. But there, carbonation is is not 
going to stretch your pouch and carbonation is not like bad for you. It gives me gas. It makes me burp. <laughs> makes you toot. Um, yeah, makes me toot. Uh, but I mean, I, I'm drinking something that was carbonated hours ago right now. And I mean, I drink a soap, probably like one soda a month. And I let it usually go flat in the fridge for a couple of days and drink it, you know, over ice. And so I still get the flavor of a diet soda or something, uh, you know, because I used to be highly, highly addicted to Diet Coke, like 12 pack a day kind of Diet Coke addiction back in the day. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't try carbonation until I was, I think, six to eight months out. And then I did have a little bit. And then I just have been <laughs> like, you know what? It's not as good as it used to be. You know, so for me, um, I've tried carbonation, um, uh, but I just refrain from. Um, yeah. I used to drink a lot of like sparkling waters, like Croy and yep. and all of those um, pre-op, and um, afterwards, I fell into that category where everybody's like, "Oh, don't drink carbonation," and so I just never did. Yeah. And then, you know, a couple months after surgery, me and my family went out to dinner and I like had a sip of my kids' Sprite and it was the full sugar Sprite. And oh my God, bad idea. I dumped so hard and like it totally turned me off. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I tried a sip here and there of like, um, you know, a sparkling water and it just doesn't sit right with me. So I no. just avoid altogether. And yeah. um, I was never really a big soda drinker or anything like that anyway. Um, so it wasn't really hard for me to give up a hundred percent. So I do love root beer. The root beer is my favorite. And so um, do you use a little I dollars actually, for packets? That yeah, I actually mm-hmm. get the, the flavored water packets of it because it just tastes like a flat root beer. So whenever I feel like I want to have a root beer, that's what I have. I also mm-hmm. have a cream soda one, a cherry seven up one and a regular seven up one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Those are nice when you want that substitute. And yeah. just a, just a tip if you're listening, blend up some ice like you would a snow cone, like blend it in your blender till it's really nice and fine and fluffy. And then mix one of those mixes like the root beer or the seven up or whatever with just like an inch and a half of water and pour it over it. And it's like a diet snow cone. It's like, it's like a, a, like a diet root beer snow cone. It's so good. And it's like a zero calorie dessert, especially when it's hot out, like it's perfect. So just a fun, fun tip. But yeah, I think the key there is, you know, like if, if carbonation was an addiction for you before surgery, like it was for, I think many of us had a soda addiction, then maybe stay away, mm-hmm. you know, but I had already before surgery, I had already swapped to the uh, carbonated waters. Like I already wasn't really drinking diet soda before surgery. So for me, it was just breaking the addiction of the carbonation, not the addiction of the soda mm-hmm. when I had surgery. <clears throat> so now like, I drink one or two max LaCroix a week with some sugar-free like flavoring in it, like for my little (laughs) collection. Um, And I let it go flat and I put crap load of ice in it. And it's just like the flavor of the mineral water that I like, I guess. And it satisfies whatever my brain, you know, thinks without having like a ton of carbonation, you know, and no, like no sugar. So mm-hmm. that's also an alternative. If people want something that tastes sweet, like a soda with a little carbonation, but mm-hmm. you know, sugar, sugar-free Tarani syrups are really good in the best. plain water. <laughs> I've never tried that. I'm having the, the like the fruity ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got sugar-free mango, raspberry, and coconut, and I think I just ran out of another a peach. But usually, I have those four up there. I like what I'm favorites. drinking right now is two pumps sugar-free Tarani van- uh, vanilla, and then the dark chocolate Tarani syrup, two pumps with and coffee. Uh, yeah, with uh, black coffee and. 
um, silk protein almond cashew milk. Mm, I can delicious. drink coffee again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> no more dumping. <laughs> Yay! Yes, I'm drinking coffee. Oh, hey, hey, that that it's, goes it's, into it's another fucking, myth. You can't ever have caffeine mind. ever again. Lies. Oh, it's such bullshit. Like, oh, I've been pretty sure that like 99 percent of us post op are like fully, fully fucking addicted to coffee. Uh-huh. I, I wasn't we, really a big coffee drinker no, beforehand. Never. Now I'm addicted to coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Never. I never really <laughs> drank coffee beforehand ever. It was always like I was a big tea drinker and then surgery happened and I was like, well, I, I'm going to try this, this whole profi thing <laughs> and I have a profi every day and have had a profi every fucking day for a year and a half now. <laughs> Sometimes I have I three. <laughs> I wish I could have three. I would die. That's much, but you're, you're <laughs> when you think about too. it, though, the recommended dose of caffeine is equal to like four cups of coffee a day. You're good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> but you know, if you're like off the wall, like hey, don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> you're like the squirrel from the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I coffee has always been my thing. I always drink coffee beforehand. And I did stop after surgery until about mm, two months. And then I was like, yeah, well, I'm not really hitting my 64 ounces all the way, but this counts, right? And it didn't bug me. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, we always encourage you to follow your surgeon's guidelines and whatnot. But, yeah. you know, it's yeah, also about finding what works for you, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I, I think that's key. Don't do it. So. Yeah. And, and I think that's key too to to remind people of just like anything that has caffeine in it should not ever be counted towards your liquid intake. Yeah, no, yeah. coffee it coffee dehydrates does, you. Does not count. Yep. And I mean, I there so basically there's a lot of inter- conflicting information about like does caffeine dehydrate you? It does. In large amounts, it actually actively dehydrates you. A cup mm-hmm. of coffee doesn't dehydrate you, but it does not hydrate you. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying you you like 64 ounces and you subtract what you drink in coffee. No, no. We right. just don't count the caffeinated beverage. Mm-hmm. It doesn't count as liquid intake. Anything else you drink counts as liquid intake as long as it's uncaffeinated. Yeah, so but if you put like the almond milk in there or you put your protein in there. Almond that, milk that, counts. That, that counts. The protein shake counts. Your, but your protein counts towards your protein, not your liquid. It does actually count towards your liquid, at least at least according to Blossom Bariatrics, our okay. surgeon, me and Cass's, they they say anything any liquid that is not caffeinated counts towards your liquid. My surgeon was so strict Including in your the protein. fact that if you drink protein, you cannot count that towards your hydration. It's That's so interesting. That's, yeah, yeah, weird. How it still it hydrates you. You still. I mean, it's it still out. a liquid. Like still but- a liquid. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and, and as long as it's not caffeinated. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, if we were, if it wouldn't count, then, like, most uh, people would know, have, like, protein two O's, like, right? Then those would I feel like that's and, different than, like, a protein shake, though, because a protein mm-hmm. shake, he would only say that that counted towards your actual protein goal, not your hydrating liquid. Here's the goal. question, though, yeah. then does milk count? Because milk has protein in it. Mm-hmm. And it still has water That's in it. That's true. Uh, so, I'm going to ask him in October when I see him for my one year. <laughs> yeah. I, say, I mean, obviously, again, every single surgeon is going to be different. Yeah. Every single surgeon. Yeah. I count it all as long as it's not caffeinated. I yeah. do too. As long as it's not caffeinated, I count it. Which is why I hit 120 ounces a day most days. Mm-hmm. So. I think the most that I've gotten so far and. So I have a 40-ounce water bottle, and I drink, like, five of them one oh day. Oh, my God. Damn. That, was, that was, like, one of my best days. I Damn. Like, <laughs> when I was in Ohio, I drank 200 ounces. I don't know Jesus. how I did that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's hot, so there you go. Probably yeah. your body was like, give me the hydration. <laughs> okay, next should we talk about? Should we talk about, oh, you can never eat what you want anymore? Or uh, you can't eat carbs ever again? <laughs> yeah, I think those definitely tie together, yeah. for sure. Yeah, you can, the myth of you can't, because this was actually a big myth that I struggled with 
beforehand was, especially as we've talked about toxic ass fucking Facebook groups before I found Instagram and before I found the beautiful Instagram community. Um, but I definitely would see people like, you know, complaining about how they could never, ever eat any of the stuff they liked again. They basically were just eating like chicken and vegetables and that's it. And, you know, and that, and that like terrified me. And it's not that I, at the time, I think at the time, I will say that some of the terror, some of the fear was rooted in my eating disorder. So there was a lot of that fear of, I can't eat this ever again. So now like I need to stuff my face for it before surgery, mm-hmm. you know, and that just like, there's just a lot of fear of like, I'm never going to be able to eat all the foods that I was so used to binging. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> it's not, it's not true. I eat whatever I want. I've had chips and candy and pizza this weekend. I just didn't eat a shitload of any of yeah. them. That's the difference. It's about moderation. Mm-hmm. Yep, I used to binge those things hardcore, thousands of calories in a sitting, and now I'm like two two small slices of pizza. I'm good. I don't need anymore. I'm full. I'm happy. I'm satisfied. Mm-hmm. Craving is gone. You know, like oh, okay. I had a little bit of candy. I used to eat like multiple candy bars. Mm-hmm. I used to eat. You know, if we're talking about chips, I used to eat like the family size bag. And now I eat like a small bag and I'm like, I'm, I'm good. You know, it's just, it, it's about, it's about a mindset change, not about how you can't, you can suddenly not eat something. It's, it's mindset. And, and, and your tool's not going to let you sit there and eat the whole bag. You, you're you going to vomit or you're, you're going to shit vomit. yourself. So, <laughs> <laughs> or injure yourself or injure yourself, like, but you're yeah. not going to stretch your pouch out. <laughs> Because those slider foods go right through you. <laughs> right? They really do. Yeah. But, I mean, I I think I'm, I'm making brownies right now. I had two little brownie bites today, so, you know. Delicious. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I don't understand, like, the scare tactic. Like... <laughs> that it seems to be or like the food please like mind your own fucking business i'll eat what i want that works for me you eat what you want mm-hmm. if you just want to eat fucking chicken and vegetables go for it mm-hmm. more power to you mm-hmm. congratulations mm-hmm. right i want to eat what i want yeah. and just like you said it's the behavior change it's the mindset change um also thinking oh i can't have that makes you want it more oh my gosh then you're restricting dieting and you're going back into diet culture Mm -hmm. exactly and then your mind is fixating on the fact that you cannot have Mm -hmm. that same food yeah and for me that doesn't work because i will sit there and obsess about Mm -hmm. that one thing that i cannot have because i told myself that i couldn't have it rather than okay so my coworker brought donuts in do I want a donut? Sure. It looks good. I eat a quarter of it. Exactly. And then I've tasted it. I and it's done and it's over with. And then the craving is gone and we're good and we move on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not really anything that we can put in our bodies that is going to be obsessively over our calorie intake unless we're sitting there eating exorbitant amounts of it. Yeah. I used to polish off family sized packs of Oreos when I was yeah. breastfeeding. I could eat one whole pack to two in a sitting mm-hmm. and not even make myself sick, which is crazy to me. I mean, I would make I would make myself sick, but I would like it was like I didn't care. Yeah. You know? Like I would eat until I was like physically so uncomfortable. My blood sugar was through the yeah. roof. I would feel like crap. But <clears throat> I didn't puke. I didn't I didn't dump. We don't, you know, you don't, you're right. normal, normal people don't dump. You don't have dumping syndrome. Like, but, but we do. And so, you know, like people who are so worried that they're never going to be able to eat those things. It's like, if you, it's that black and white, all or nothing thinking that honestly got me in trouble in the first place when I was so focused on can or cannot do or do not like there was, and there was no middle ground. Now I like, strive to live in the gray area 
I strive to make sure that like, same thing, somebody brings in donuts. Do I want a donut? Does that even sound actually good? Or is it, I'm just craving it because it's here and I could smell the sugar. Yeah. And I, sometimes like half the time it's like, yeah, I do want a donut. So I go and I get the donut and I might eat it over the course of an hour. Or I might, like you said, eat a quarter of it. Be like, mm, okay, I'm good. That was that craving satisfied, yeah. you know, or, or I can be like, you know what? I just, the last time I ate one, it didn't make me feel super great. And I, I don't really want to feel that way right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say no, thank you today. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's, it is a whole different level of power and control over your food that black and white thinking never gave me, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, I mean, we'll probably do an episode on intuitive eating at some point, but like mm-hmm. it's, it's really nice to be able to sit down and check in with yourself before you make a, a choice. Yeah. Whether you're going to have a food or not. Yeah. Um, and that's just not ever something that I ever did either was like, no, somebody brings snacks or something. I'm like, I'm the first one there. Yeah. And I'm sitting there after everybody's like, yeah. like at a work celebration or whatnot, after everybody's already gotten cupcakes or whatever, then I'm thinking, oh, there's cupcakes left over. Hmm, how many cupcakes am I going to have afterwards? Like, yeah. You know, Ooh, I can bring some home. Right. So And binge on them later. And yeah. obsess and then like, and that's also part of that fucking addictive sugar shit. That is the world's most addictive drug in my mm-hmm. opinion. It really is. And I think that that's also what people struggle with too after surgery mm-hmm. is trying to trying to kill the addiction, but then also realize that you can't you can't live the rest of your life never having sugar. Right. So you that's the 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 like fucked up part about food addiction in general is it's not an addiction. It's not like I I smoke cigarettes. I smoke two packs a day for um, almost a decade, and I quit cold turkey, and I'm so fucking grateful that I quit because putting cigarettes is one of the hardest things I've ever done. But the difference is, is I could literally just never go into a store that sold cigarettes. I could throw them away and walk away and never touch them again. If, especially if none of my friends smoked, which at the time I quit, none of my friends smoked. So it was like, I could literally walk away from the addiction and never touch it again. And so, but you can't do that with food. We need it to live. We have to be able, so you have to restructure and reframe your like mentality around it. Uh, mm-hmm. Funny story. I don't know. It's funny. Maybe it's not funny, but <laughs> it's, it's funny to me now a little bit. But we had my husband. And I had gone to the grocery store, and this was like I want to say like two months before my surgery. So I was starting to make some like mindset changes before the surgery, mm-hmm. and we had bought a bag of high chews like just the candy, the candy high chews. And they're really good. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were sharing a bag of high chews. Like he would eat one, he'd hand me one while, while we were driving home. And I remember very distinctly having this, like this thought process in my brain of, I don't want my husband to eat these. I want them all for myself. And it actually gave me anxiety because I wanted so desperately for all of this candy to be mine and I didn't want to share it. And then I had, and this is all in my head, by the way, I didn't say this. Mm-hmm. I, I did tell my husband about it afterwards, but I was all in my head and I was like, hold the fuck on, Rebecca. First of all, <laughs> you should share your food. But like right. as, as in a food addict, I never shared my food. It was like mm-hmm. all for me and like stuff it in my face as fast as possible. And so I like stopped myself and I was like, Rebecca, you're allowed to share your food. You should share your food, first of all. Second of all, you love your husband and he's allowed to eat this. Third of all, you're a fucking adult. If you want more candy when this is done, you can go to the goddamn store and get yourself some more candy. There is like, there's no reason why I can't. But there's this piece in my head that says, you cannot have this. So when I was eating it, I wanted to binge it because I couldn't have it again. And so all of a sudden, as soon as I gave myself the fucking permission to eat the food, it was like a light switch in my brain went off. And I was like, oh my God, the anxiety lifted. And I I no longer gave a shit that my husband was eating the candy. And I didn't feel the need to go get more. I was like, oh, right. Okay. I, if I want it, I can go get it. And so the same thing applies now, especially like 
if I decide like, man, I'm just craving a bag of chips for whatever reason, I, I go and I fucking get a bag of chips. Mm-hmm. I'm, saying, I'm not saying I do it all the time. I'm just saying I don't tell myself no. Once I give myself permission, if the craving is still there and it's not going away, then I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to go eat a bag of chips. And then the craving's mm-hmm. fucking gone and I don't worry about it. I don't feel guilt about it. And I move the fuck on with my life. Mm-hmm. But that took a lot of work to get there. So like, that's the biggest challenge with, you know, eating disorders and eating addiction mm-hmm. addiction, and this surgery. <laughs> I think a lot of people go into it, you know, too, thinking that surgery is a magic tool, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it is a magic tool, but, you know, you still have to work at things that, you know, are bothering you, learning how to cope, learning how your new body works. Like, it's a whole process. It's not just, oh, I'm going to go get 85% of my stomach removed and then all this weight is magically going to drop I just woke up skinny. (laughs) No, it took me, like, six six to seven months post-op before I even really saw changes in my myself. Mm-hmm. But everybody else could tell me that they were like, whoa, they whoa. See you know, but I was like, Mm-mm, what? I look the same. What are you talking about? Yeah, and I still feel yeah, that way yeah. some days. Like I still see almost 400 pounds. Absolutely. But I know same. it's not true. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, it's a lot of mindset change that people I think are, they walk into it and then you, and you see posts, and you just want to be like, oh, you just need the mindset piece. Change your mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to reach out to people so many times and be like, okay, you really got to gotta work at the mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, otherwise, you're just going to be unhappy the whole time. Yep. And it's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow that you have to change something within. Like, But the physical piece only goes so far. Yeah. Anyway, tangent. And so. that like brings us back to our last episode. Is like, do your research. Yep. You don't do it if you're not ready. Yep. Because then you're, because you're gonna do it, people. and then you're gonna be like, like we talked about, what the fuck did I do to myself? Yep. And then regret. you're gonna go through the emotions mm-hmm. of regret, and you're mm-hmm. gonna be lost. And so, if, unless you're ready for this roller coaster, because it is a roller coaster, yeah, that's what it is. You Absolutely. don't do it. Don't do it. Like right away. Yeah. Do your research. Think it out. And reach out to people. You know, reach, reach out, out to people. people that have come before you. Like yeah. if you're thinking, that's about what we're it, here for. Like, like literally, reach that's... out to. I, I I guarantee listeners, if you're just starting the process, if you have questions, any one of us would be more than happy to answer questions mm-hmm. for you and with you yep. and troubleshoot and be like, this is what you can expect. This is what we went through. Mm-hmm. That's what we're here for. That's why we're doing this podcast. Like yeah. we want to help people and be like, no, there are ups and downs and there's really real challenges, but there's also so many benefits and so many, tr- you know, triumphs. Like it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So worth it. I'm feeling very soapboxy yeah. today. And every <laughs> Same, and every every struggle is valid, and every struggle you will overcome because you're not alone. Absolutely. Just take a yeah. look at me, still standing. <laughs> I'm still standing. <laughs> so we um have a few lovely pop up guests that are going to be filling in the end of our podcast here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. We have Francesca, who is Geek on Fit on Instagram. We also have um, Nicole and her lovely voice. She's so funny. I love her accent. Um, <laughs> and then we also have our lovely Jess who I got the pleasure of seeing this past weekend in Ohio. And she's going to, they're basically going to, you know, tell you a little bit about their why and why they had surgery and some of the myths they had, you know, going into surgery and how that changed um, afterwards. Um, Obviously, myths are a big thing to talk about. And so we'll probably, we'll keep keep talking about it for a few series to go. Um, but you know, we're Mm -hmm. here because we want to feature the, the people that are small in this community. Like there's so many influencers out there and Mm -hmm. we, we love you guys too, but we want the people who like, you know, maybe a little afraid to share their story or maybe, you know, don't feel like they can come forth and do that. We want to give them that safe space to do so. 
Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like, when I had surgery, I was like, I don't know anyone. Like, and then I went through all of that crap. And I'm like, I really don't know anyone who's gone through this. And I was so afraid for the longest time to share my story. And so, like, we want people from all walks of life. We want to know if you've had complications. We want to know your wins. We want to hear all of that from you. Like, that's what this podcast is about, is supporting all of you. And if mm-hmm. you feel like you want to share your story and you, Reach want, out to us. you want to talk about something that you're really passionate about or something you've gone through, we want you on our podcast. Yes, um, absolutely. Everyone can have the opportunity, even if you have 10,000 followers, that's fine. <laughs> but, but, you know, we also we're, like the ones that have five followers. So because it's not about that. We just want to be here for you for that safe space to provide, you know, that information, that good, that bad, that ugly, and just talk to you. And for everyone here to know that they're not alone, you can reach out to any of us at any time. Um, because there's so much to weight loss surgery that people are so unaware about. And we're, we're the ones, the bariatric patients who are the ones that are going to end the stigma by talking about it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, on to the next stories and we will see you guys next time. Yeah. So something else that's super exciting is we have our own stickers now. If you're a yes. patron, you will automatically get one. Um, but, you know, there's also a giveaway <laughs> going on on my page. You might get a sticker if you go check it out. Um, and you may just see us pop up wearing our faces or something. <laughs> so, cool. so lots of things to come please let us know your feedback we'd love to hear from you and again if you want to be on this we'd love to have you bye bye <laughs> hey everyone it's your home girl nicole holmes otherwise known as spooky underscore vsg underscore barbie um I love when people call me Spooky Barbie because I'm into Halloween things and spooky paranormal things, but I'm also a glam boss bitch. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So (laughs) anyway, we're talking a little bit more about these myths. You guys seem to like to hear about that. Um, I'm currently still in Kentucky. I apologize for the sound quality on my end. Um, I'm recording a little piece for you guys. Um, a couple of myths that were told to me. One, I could never drink again. Um, that's false. My surgeon literally told me to my face, you can never drink alcohol again. And when I went to my, uh, I don't know if you remember last week, week's episode when I was speaking about, hi, um, do you talk to a microwave or a toaster oven? Like, you know, the psych evaluation. So that woman that therapist, she had also had the same surgery I was going for, which was kind of cool. So I got to ask her some questions about it. And I was like, is it true you never can drink again? And she's like, oh, honey, I was just drinking literally the first month after surgery. And I was like, "Um, I'm not sure if that's cool or not, but all right. My therapist is asking me if I have conversations with a microwave and she's a semi-alcoholic. We love her, Stan. Anyway, um, yeah, so I'm going to be honest. Three months in, I tried it. I tried it. I had a vodka cranberry and it was amazing. And one drink got me messed up. I will say this, my tolerance has since kind of gone back to not what it was before, but now I can have two, two and a half drinks and feel good, Um, whereas a half of a drink was getting me messed up when I first started, you know? And I'm not advocating for drinking, but if you go out for a drink socially, you know, just be careful and have fun. You know, you're allowed to do that unless you have some sort of restrictions with your doctor. Listen to them. I am not a doctor. (laughs) Um, Another myth uh, was you can't eat rice or carbs. 
I was so upset because I absolutely love sushi. And you know what? It used to be my favorite food. It still is, but I can't enjoy it like I used to. Do any of you guys, are you, are you guys like that too? Where you had foods that you used to enjoy, but you can't really enjoy them now because you can't eat them in the excess that you used to? It's so funny how food used to control me and now I control the food. Anyway, so yeah, that's a complete myth. If you're working out, if you're an active individual, even if you're a semi-active individual, carbs are fuel, okay? I don't care who says otherwise. To me, carbs are fuel, and I'm a big believer in eating carbs. You want to eat good carbs, obviously. You don't want to go out and eat like a McDonald's cheeseburger with that greasy-ass bun, but like you're allowed rice, you're allowed a slice of whole wheat bread, you're allowed, you know what I mean? Like, eat the damn right, eat your sushi, girl, you better eat that sushi, and you better love it, that's all I gotta say, okay, um, I'm kind of a person where I'm like, all food is good food if it's used properly, right, nothing is great in excess, everything's wonderful in moderation and the beauty of this tool this sleeve is that it restricts before we restrict ourselves right so it allows us to have the things we want and then to be full before eating too much of it we are having a portion size like the other night i went and i had pizza Oh, no, you can never have pizza again. Guess what? Surprise. Yes, you can. And I was able to eat two pieces. I had one slice of cheese pizza, waited a little bit, had another slice of cheese pizza, and I was completely satisfied. Whereas before, I could have eaten a whole damn pizza and a side of wings and a side of fries. So that's all I'm saying. You're allowed to have the foods that you love. And you have them in moderation because of the tool we have. It's a beautiful thing. Um, another myth, but also semi-truth, is you will lose your hair and you will have loose skin. So listen up. This is not true for everyone. It is, in fact, a myth um, because it's not 100% true. For some, it is. For me, it was a truth. Um, but I'll tell you why. So I came into this having extremely thin hair already. So for me, after the surgery, the texture of my hair completely changed. And I experienced a lot of breakage um, and a lot of fallout. Now that has slowed down and I'm experiencing a lot of regrowth on the scalp. So now I kind of look like this mangy ass dog where... <laughs> where the top of my head is like growing back and is nice and then I have like these sickly looking strands hanging off of it so I just need a haircut and some hair extensions and I think I'll be Gucci gang but that's uh what I'm living with at the moment and as far as skin but that's not for everyone that is not for everyone some people have thick hair like my friend Victoria she came into it with thick luscious beautiful hair her hair still looks beautiful I'm it, Take your vitamins, eat your protein, you're going to be fine. As far as skin, yes, I have a shit ton of loose skin, and I will tell you why. I lost 100 pounds three times before losing 100 pounds this time. I have lost weight, gained weight, lost weight, gained weight. So my skin has been stretched out, put back together, stretched out again, stretched... So yeah, my loose skin is going to be completely different in comparison to someone else's loose skin. Do not be afraid to get the surgery because you are scared of loose skin or losing your hair. Your hair grows back and trust me, there are so many methods to get your skin looking good, right? You build muscle in the gym you tone and you work out. And then you also have the option of having skin removal. And even if you don't want that, 
it is perfectly okay to have loose skin and live your best life with some loose skin. We don't owe the world pretty. We owe it to ourselves to feel good about ourselves. So if you're going to do anything, do it for yourself. I am one that is going to have um, loose skin removal surgery for my own well-being, for my own mental I just, it's something I want and I totally am for getting it done and I'm totally for not getting it done. I think either decision is 100% acceptable. Love the skin you're in, love your body. I'm all about body neutrality. You don't have to be body positive or body negative. You just have a body. We all have a body. Who cares? Live your best life. Your body doesn't control you. Anyway, those are my three myths. I kind of went on a rant. Stephanie is probably going to have to cut this down a bit. (laughs) I love to talk. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I love you all. And I'm sure these three ladies are going to give you the best episode yet. So love you, ladies. And love you, listeners. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Bye now. Hello, hello. I'm Francesca. I'm my handle is Geek on Fit on Instagram. And why did I have my VSG surgery? I had my surgery August 4th of 2021. Um, after a few years of going back and forth trying to decide whether it was the right choice for me or not. There's a lot of different reasons why I decided to have surgery. Um, you know, ranging from I have PCOS and and then, you know, deciding whether or not I want to start a family with my significant other. So there was that factor. Um, my highest weight was 349 pounds. And I'd had, you know, like so many of us had such a hard time doing every diet, every exercise program, and just not seeing success with it, um, that I was getting really frustrated. I had an experience in 2018, 2019, um, where I needed to attend a funeral and partially due to some medication I was on, I had gained a lot of weight very quickly. Um, and at that point I had thought I was in a like size 24, 26 pant. Um, well, ended up in a situation where I couldn't fit in any of my clothes. So we spent two hours at the mall before going to this funeral, going to every store I could find, trying to find something that would fit so I could be presentable. Um, My wardrobe at that point had been pretty much jeans and like two pairs of pants, work pants that that fit comfortably, that were very stretchy. Um, Could not find a single thing at the mall. Ended up needing to go to this funeral in a pair of jeans. Was just mortified, humiliated. Um, Had someone make a comment about it left me in tears, ended up in the parking lot just sobbing with my bestie who lives in Omaha, calling up every store in the area trying to figure out who who had a size 30. At that point, that's what I needed. Um, so that was just a horrendous experience. And I had had a few conversations with my doctor at that point where he'd recommended surgery and I had done that game of saying, you know what, let, let me try it myself. I don't want to consider that just yet. Um, and that that experience was what kind of started changing my mindset of, you know what, this is really impacting my life now. Um, I started realizing that, you know, I wasn't really happy. When I looked at the things that I had enjoyed doing, I realized that I was doing them less and less. I hadn't traveled in in almost a decade, my family lives in Italy. Um, I live in the U.S., so in order for me to see my extended family, like a flight is—I <laughs> got no way around it. It's got to be a flight. I can't drive. So, I started realizing my life wasn't what I wanted it to be. I was missing out on a lot of experiences, um, and kind of all of these things started to come together, whereby. 2020, I started to say, you know what? Okay, it's time. I've tried to do it myself. It's not happening. 
Um, I also lost my dad in 2016 um, at the age of 51, so very young. Just unexpectedly passed away due to um, untreated high blood pressure. That itself was also a traumatic experience. All of those things came together to make me realize, you know, health was a priority. It wasn't working on my own. I needed to do something about it. So I had my VSG in August, uh, August 4th, 2021, and I haven't looked back since. It's been the best choice I've made for myself. Um, I've told the closest people in my life, but I haven't really told anyone ex- you know, extended, not necessarily keeping it a secret. If someone asks, I'll share, but it's really something that I'm doing for me and for what I want for myself. And I've been thrilled with it. In terms of myths, I think the biggest myth that I struggled with after surgery was, you know, the, the idea that we can stretch our pouch out. And I remember the first six, seven months after my surgery, I feel feel like I lived in utter fear of that. I under eight, uh, I remember just never wanting to feel full just because it was terrifying. I was worried that I would fail. I'd stretch my pouch out. What if, you know, I did all the surgery and it was for nothing because I stretched it out. And over time, you know, I, I got to talk to people through Instagram, through Berry Nation, and I kind of learned more about what does that actually mean? It's natural for your stomach to relax as you heal from surgery. You know, the fact that I can eat a little bit more a few months after, that makes sense. That's normal. That's your stomach healing. And that you can, you know, your stomach lining can get more flexible over time, Um and that that's a normal process. As long as we're following our program, you know, we'll, we'll be good. So that was one of those myths that just utterly rocked me <laughs> the first six or seven months. But um, just kind of educating myself, talking to other people, that's really been huge. Hello, hello, R2DP. This is Jess from A Very Joyful Life over on Instagram. And I am really excited to be on your podcast today. I know you guys are only a couple episodes in, but I am already obsessed. I love that you're bringing the raw, real truth about bariatric surgery to our community because this is the information that I wish I would have had when I first started looking into bariatric surgery. Um, And I'm actually going to include a little bit of that in my myths at the end of my little clip here. Um, But I'm just loving you guys so far. I adore all four of you and I am really happy to help support your podcast. So what I wanted to dive in with was my why and just kind of what led me to bariatric surgery. So the Reader's Digest version of my story is that I grew up the chubby friend. I was never fat. I was never overweight, especially looking back on it. You know, the I wish I was as fat as I was in high school meme. That is classic me because I was never that big. Um, I actually didn't qualify for bariatric surgery until probably about 2016 and then not fully qualified. I didn't hit my 40 BMI until 2020. Um, But all through growing up, because everyone in my family, for the most part, is morbidly obese and very ill, um, I grew up knowing that if I wasn't careful, I would end up that way as well. And between that and growing up in the late 90s and early 2000s, where the heroin chic was in, where you had to be as thin as possible, I developed a really unhealthy body image and mindset around food and my weight and just became hyper-focused on that. So... (laughs) I developed some disordered eating patterns pretty early on. So between those behaviors and having a really active lifestyle, because I was in a ton of sports and activities in high school, my weight never really got to be a problem until I went to college. And that's when I did the typical college thing, gained the freshman 40, just drank a lot, (laughs) went out to eat, had an amazing time, honestly. But by the time I graduated college, my health had started to decline. I had started to rack up some pretty scary health things like with my blood pressure and whatnot. So I realized that it was time to lose some weight. And unfortunately, that was in 2012 when Instagram really started to be on the rise. The multi-level marketing companies really started to put themselves out there and a lot of diet culture, disordered information about losing weight and health and wellness was just really common. 
Um, so I bought into that hook, lane, and sinker and participated in pretty much every type of diet, every type of cleanse and MLM challenge and everything you can think of to lose weight, I tried. And for a while it worked. Like initially, I mean, when you're cutting out entire food groups and drinking shakes for multiple meals instead of eating food, of course you're going to lose some weight. But eventually that didn't work anymore because as soon as I would resume somewhat normal eating and not even binge eating at this point because I wasn't there yet, but just stopped drinking multiple shakes a day or doing whatever cleanse I was doing at the time, gained my weight back and then some. And I was always so hard on myself mentally when that would happen because I put that responsibility on myself, thinking that just I wasn't doing it well enough. I wasn't good enough. I didn't have my shit together, quote unquote. Um, so over those years, my mental health really declined. Um, and once I started graduate school and my stress was at an all-time high, I swung to the other side of the eating spectrum. And instead of restricting, I was now binging. And I really used food as a coping skill. It was a really tough couple of years where my mental health and my eating behaviors just really spiraled out of control. And eventually I really just put my weight loss efforts on hold because I finally hit the point that I knew if I didn't take care of my mental health, I wasn't gonna you know, have health to take care of anymore. So I put all the weight loss things on hold. I really dialed in on my mental health, which now I'm grateful for because I think that's a big reason that I've been so successful in this journey um, because I tried my hardest to not cope with food anymore. And I really did that work a couple years ago. So through that, I also branched out into finding more holistic ways to deal with stress, like meditating, went to therapy, got on medication, found joyful movement, things that I really love to do for exercise, like weightlifting. Um, I also started working with my doctor and my CrossFit coach who um, has a nutrition certification because I was doing macros with him. I was doing everything my doctor told me. I was getting a ton of blood work and a ton of testing to figure out why at that point... I had stopped losing weight entirely because at that point I had just shot my metabolism to hell and I now know that my hormones were also jacked up because I actually just uh, found out that I have cystic ovaries, which my doctor at the time would not consider, but that's a story for another day. But at the time I was just so defeated and frustrated because I was doing everything I possibly could and nothing was working or nothing was lasting long term. Um, So in 2020, I gave up. I had went through six months of working from home, having everything perfect that you would tell someone when they're trying to lose weight, like getting enough sleep, going to the gym, all of that stuff, and nothing was working, so I gave up, and I decided to sell all of the skinny clothes that I had stuffed into the back of my closet out of hopes that I would wear them again, and just decided to accept the fact that I was meant to be big and sick like the rest of my family, and You know, it was just destiny all along from when I was a kid. And that was the point that a friend that I had went to CrossFit with a couple years prior, who I hadn't seen in a while, um, actually showed up to my house to buy some of my clothes that I was selling. And she told me she had VSG. And guys, like, it's one of those ah moments where, like, the skies open up and the angels are singing. And it was such a light bulb transformative moment for me. Like that was the day that my life changed because up until that point, I was so hopeless and I had no way out, but I realized that she was my same size before her surgery or a similar size. And this was a possibility for me that I had never seen as an option before because those surgeries were only for people in my 600 pound life, right? So once I learned that from her, I started doing some really intensive research to the point that I probably could have written a whole nother master's thesis on bariatric surgery at that point, decided to book a consultation and the rest is history. So that is the, as short as I can make it recap of my story. Cause I'm a little long winded if you've ever followed me on Instagram. Um, but there it is in a nutshell. And I'm really grateful to be on this side of things. Okay. So now for a couple myths, because I love this shit. This is like my favorite part of your podcast so far. Just really dispelling the bullshit information that is out there. And I'm sorry for swearing. This is like a side note for staff as you're editing. Like if I'm not supposed to swear on here, you can just edit it out. Okay. Anyway, 
So one of the main myths that applies to me is that I heard before surgery that you could never have anything carbonated ever again. Because I heard that it would stretch your pouch out, it'll make you, you know, your weight back, it'll make you throw up, like all of those things that you hear. Um, and I'm sure for some people that is true, so I don't want to discount anyone's experience, but for me, carbonation doesn't bother me. And I'm not out here drinking pop, like I've never really been a pop slash soda drinker, you know, most places say soda. Um, for me, it's energy drinks, which I know those aren't very healthy, but I have no vices other than energy drinks. So a sugar-free monster or a sugar-free Lonnie new every now and again, you bet your ass I'm going to have one because they're delicious and I love them. And those are fairly lightly carbonated as far as like carbonation drinks go. I haven't had a beer. I haven't had regular pop yet to know for sure whether that bothers me. But from the energy drinks that I've had a couple times a week or just once a week, those don't bother me at all. I don't notice any gas, no stomach upset. They haven't made me gain weight. So that to me is a complete myth. I would say for a lot of people, this could be true for you. So take that with a grain of salt. Another myth that I am super passionate about is that you can never have carbs or sugar again after surgery, which guys don't go in those big toxic Facebook groups. They're going to tell you that you can never even be in the same room as bread again. And that is a complete lie. My personal perspective on nutrition after surgery without, you know, having real professional knowledge about it, because I'm not a dietitian and I'm not a doctor, but everything in moderation. Like if you're prioritizing your protein, you're getting your water in, you're making sure that other than the, you know, bread and whatever other carby things you want to have, like that you've got things situated it is not going to kill you and it is not going to make you gain a ton of weight if every now and again you have a piece of bread at dinner or you eat some ice cream, which I eat regular ice cream. I don't bother with the alternatives because for me personally, too much sugar does make me nauseous, but I can have a small portion of regular ice cream and it doesn't bother me one bit. So if I can have that, I'm going to allow myself the stuff that actually tastes good. Um, so for me, that's been a complete and total lie. And obviously, disclaimer, if you struggle with sugar, I'm not trying to discount your experience. I'm just lucky and very grateful that pretty much everything sits well for me. I haven't really encountered anything other than some foods that are understandable that might bother me this early on because I'm seven months post-op. Um, so like the really fibrous, cruciferous veggies don't sit super well yet, um, but for the most part, I have not encountered a food that I could not eat in moderation and in the right portions. And final myth that is the one I am most passionate about and could be on my soapbox about all day is that bariatric surgery doesn't work, that, oh, my cousin's aunt Susan had bariatric surgery and gained all her weight back. This isn't going to last for you, X, Y, Z. That's just not true. Because if you look at the statistics comparing bariatric surgery outcomes to quote unquote natural weight loss outcomes, it is staggering how much more effective bariatric surgery is, not just for weight loss, but for the reduction of your comorbidities, which is for me, the data doesn't lie. Like if you compare the numbers, the rate of long-term success with natural weight loss is anywhere between 1% and 20%. Like of people that lose, like you were already morbidly obese, you lose weight naturally, quote unquote. You have at best a 20% chance of keeping that weight off long-term. Whereas with bariatric surgery, the failure rate is between 10 and 20%. So you have an 80 to 90% chance of keeping your weight off long-term and approximately 80% of bariatric patients maintain a loss of about 50 to 60% of their excess weight in the long run. So for me, the choice between no weight loss or potentially only losing 50 to 60 pounds and keeping that off long-term, that was a no-brainer because my health was more important to me than my weight. Obviously, I didn't want to be morbidly obese anymore, but with the drastic decline in my health, 50 to 60 pounds could have made a big difference in my health and it did. So yeah, all the people that say bariatric surgery doesn't work, that you'll gain all your weight back, that is a myth. And you also don't have to fall back into diet culture and disordered eating to keep that weight off. You just have to use your tool the way it was intended and follow your surgeon's guidelines to do the best of your ability 
to live a healthier lifestyle, but use your tool. It works. So yeah, I love the people that try to tell me that weight loss surgery doesn't work. I'm like, oh, please come at me with the receipts because I have hella research to back this up. Okay, so I know this is super long. I'm sorry. You can speed me up. You can cut all my stuff out. I don't care. I just hope this helps. I love you so much. Let me know if I suck or if this was okay. Love you. Thank you for joining R2DP Road to Discovery podcast, ending the stigma of weight loss surgery. Please join us next time for our next podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that follow button and that bell to receive notifications when we upload our next and leave us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're interested in supporting us, you can become a Patreon and we do have that link in our bios on our Instagram and we will also share that with you. It's just patreon.com slash R2DP. There's some special perks in there that you might see. Um, There's different tier levels and each tier has its certain perks. You will get a exclusive sticker if you sign up for the first tier. You will also get to hear the podcast two days before everyone else and the perks go on from there. So again, thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye, R2D peers!